The NBA Finals are heating up. Looking for hot takes on all the postseason action? The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage. Host and former NBA sharpshooter J.J. Redick not only has a plugged-in perspective on the action from his time in the league, but he's also announcing the games in real time for ESPN. J.J. has the ultimate insider point of view, and he's taking you along for the ride as he breaks down the best defensive schemes, dunks, and drives from each game. And speaking of incredible drives, there's no better place to tune into your new favorite podcast, The Old Man and the Three, than in a standard-setting BMW. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. This week on the Chicago Bears Review. Thursday night brings forth the annual revival of the best rivalry in football when our beloved gather up what's left of our healthy roster and lug it up to Lambeau to take on the equally wounded Green Bay Packers. Can the Bears continue their Lambeau winning streak, or will the Pack bounce back? Evan Weston from Acme Packing Company joins us on the Week 7 preview episode of the Chicago Bears Review. God help us, whether we want it to or not, this thing is going down tomorrow night on Thursday Night Football as our beloved take on the Green Bay Packers. What's going on, everybody? Larry D. back for the Week 7 preview episode of the Chicago Bears View. And um, sorry I'm a day late uh, on this. Uh, I said I would have it out by Tuesday. I decided uh, I really wanted to see what's going on with the injury report, you know, because um, just to kind of talk to myself into the idea of a few of our guys coming back and, uh, uh, you know, maybe we'll have Pernell McPhee. Maybe Eddie Goldman will play. Maybe we'll have Jake Cutler. And it turns out uh, I think they've listed Goldman is out, Cutler is doubtful, and there's no mention of Pernell Pernel McPhee uh, at all. So, uh, yeah, so much for that. But, uh, oh, yeah, and on top of that, Josh Sitton is out. So Ted Larson will most likely be starting at left guard. Uh, for the Bears on Thursday night. Uh, the only good news there is that the Packers are as equally banged up uh, as the Bears are right now. And and the good news, uh, f- especially good news about that, is that it's mostly in their in their secondary. I, th- I think the even Evan talks about it uh, during our discussion that uh, Green Bay is down their top three corners this weekend, or this weekend, tomorrow night, I should say. It's not even the freaking weekend yet. Um, so the Bears might be able to take some advantage uh, of that uh, in the passing game, and uh, hopefully we can, uh, you know, continue the uh, the trouble that uh, Green Bay had in the run game uh, against Dallas this past Sunday. Because uh, going into that game, which is what was most surprising about how dominant the Cowboys were, uh, Ezekiel Elliott running for nearly 160 yards. Uh, against what was the number one rush defense in the NFL that had allowed, I think, less than 50 yards a game uh, going in. So it was uh, quite the impressive showing by the Cowboys uh, to dominate Green Bay like that, and hopefully the Bears saw something on film that they'd be able to capitalize on to continue that as well so as to not put the entire football game on Brian Hoyer's uh, shoulders. 
uh, tomorrow night. So, um, you know, we had a pretty interesting conversation, Evan Western and I, and uh, a lot of it being about Aaron Rodgers and uh, what his troubles have been recently because uh, a lot's being made of the fact that, you know, coming off of an MVP season in 2014, he wasn't his quote-unquote usual self last year, and he's not off to a great start so far this year. As a matter of fact, he had two big turnovers uh, against the Cowboys on Sunday uh, that were that were basically key in their loss to the Cowboys. And, uh, you know, we talk about the Bears' woes and, uh, and everything else uh, – in between it was a good talk uh kind of a depressing talk because uh unless we're talking to chris gates from minnesota nobody in the nfc north really has much to be excited about uh in 2016 so we've already had our first depressing discussion with uh with jeremy reisman a couple of weeks back so evan western's up first and of course we get uh chris uh chris gates next week as soon as i uh set things up uh with him uh to talk about his currently undefeated uh, Minnesota Vikings so um, you know other than the injury report there's really not a whole lot going on I mean we talked about it last week with the um, you know the quarterback quote-unquote quarterback controversy what do we do with Jay should it be Brian Hoyer uh, you know there's definitely arguments to be made on both sides you guys know how I feel about it as good as Brian Hoyer has been as efficient and as safe with the football as he has been um it's not really getting us anywhere. You know, it's pretty on the stat sheet. Maybe it's great for some guys in fantasy football, but as far as putting wins and points on the board, that those are the two things that uh, that Brian Hoyer hasn't been able to do. You know, even in that game against the uh, against the Lions, the game, the final score was way closer than the game actually was. The Bears dominated Detroit thoroughly that day, but because we had so much trouble finishing drives and putting them in the end zone, the the punt return for the touchdown at the end of the game made the game interesting all of a sudden and and you know the defense pitched a shutout for the most part actually they did they pitched a shutout uh you know in that uh in that game and it just uh you know it was too bad uh for it to go uh the way that it did or at least for the final score to be that way and then of course the same thing happened with Indianapolis and then again with uh with Jacksonville especially you know the defense shut them out for 45 of those 60 minutes and because the offense was only able to convert one red zone trip into a touchdown, there wasn't a whole lot for Jacksonville to get caught up on there in the fourth quarter. So, um, you know, something that the Bears obviously want to avoid, you know, is the, the, the killer instinct that we apparently lack in the red zone uh, thus far this year. Because the dink and dunk thing works for one works in one way as to, to get the Bears into that position. But it doesn't work for much else because it's not getting the job done. So, uh, you know, we will talk about that with uh, with Evan and uh, we'll come back after our discussion with Evan Western to discuss what I think the keys uh, to the game are briefly. And, uh, you know, so let's go ahead and dive right in with Evan Western to preview this game between our beloved Chicago Bears and our hated Green Bay Packers. And here on this short week to join us here to preview the Week 7 matchup between our beloved Chicago Bears and the not-so-beloved Green Bay Packers, Evan Western, Acme Packing Company, Espionation. Evan, despite your allegiance, you're a friend of the show. Welcome back to the show once again. Hey, always a pleasure. Thanks for having me on. And, uh, yeah, it should be an interesting one this week. 
Yes, absolutely. I mean, we were just talking briefly before we got started here, and then both teams uh, did not have a very good day yesterday. The Bears blowing a fourth quarter lead, and, and simply because the offense didn't put them in a position to win the football game yesterday. I mean, four trips inside the 10-yard line, you come away with one touchdown, and then you're astounded that when the when the Jaguars put up together a, you know, garbage time in the fourth quarter, two scores basically wins them the football game. So, And then yesterday, your number one uh, rush defense in the Green Bay Packers, only giving up about 50 yards a game if it was even that much, gives up 157 to Ezekiel Elliott, and you guys lose pretty big. Uh, at home on the national game of the week the only favor the nfl did you there or the fox did you was that it had joe buck calling the cubs game as opposed to this is it we've got an amex platinum pro on our hands ladies and gentlemen we haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the centurion lounge (sighs) is he connecting to complimentary wi-fi oh my look at that he is and you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. (laughs) I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Him and Troy Aikman uh, annoying the hell out of everyone on national television. So That was a relief. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Right, yeah. But, um, you know, so we we were kind of talking... Before we got started here, and you know, we're, I mentioned to you that the the footballers America guys that we were talking about the 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 state of the NFC North in general. The the Vikings look fantastic so far, surprisingly, even with the paper doll San Bradford at quarterback. The defense is astounding. Everyone keeps comparing them to the '85 Bears, the 2000 Ravens on the start that they're having uh, so far. So they kind of looked like already, even though it's only week six. They've got this thing locked up, and everybody else is just stumbling behind them. And, you know, the Packers, despite their loss yesterday, are still 3-2. They're, they're, they're doing fine so far, but they haven't looked like the regular Green Bay Packers that we've been used to over the last few years. Why would you say that was at this point? Aaron Rodgers? I mean, <laughs> wow. He, there is there is something drastically wrong with him right now, and it's not just oh he's off, he's not quite settled, he's not quite feeling like himself. No, there's something legitimately wrong with Aaron Rodgers playing football right now. I don't know how much the game you watched yesterday, but he turned the ball over twice in situations when he never turns the ball over. Once on just a completely inexplicable throw that went straight into the hands of Barry Church, who was dropping in his own coverage, and the other on a fumble on a 
quarterback draw, which was a weird play call in and of itself, but down inside the 10-yard line. Aaron Rodgers does not turn the ball over in the red zone. And so there's there's weird decisions. He's missing easy throws that he's made his entire life. His mechanics are just all over the place. And I, th- I think at this point, he and to, to a lesser extent the offense in general, but, but it comes back to Rodgers, he's the reason why this team is not the team that we expected to see. Is it Olivia Munn? Is it really is no. it her fault? Can no. we just come out and say that? Or? D- don't, don't even start that. Come on. <laughs> You're better than that. Come on, man. I'm just, you know, you know I'm just playing with you. Oh, it's just, you know, the, the conspiracy theorists all of a sudden are like, well, that's it yeah. right there. That Hollywood starlet has ruined him forever. It's well, like, the other one I heard this week was, oh, no, he's back on Twitter. He's never on Twitter during the season. What the hell's wrong with him? It's like, no, come on, people. Right. Everybody's looking for a little something to, to kind of – throw in there so one of the interesting questions that came about when we were talking about this was you know um jeremy reisman who i'm sure you know from uh from pride of detroit uh for the lions um one of the things that we kind of and i you know and i'm sure you know why we brought this up but one of the things we kind of wished for as far as 2016 uh was concerned was that if the bears and the lions couldn't make it we would love for green bay not to make it while aaron Rodgers was healthy we'd like to see that happen at least once before Rodgers retires what do you think the ramifications of something like that would be would would heads roll i mean what kind of what kind of uh penalty if you will do you think would be suffered if a healthy aaron Rodgers couldn't get the Packers to the playoffs this year well I think you would see some some major changes to the offensive coaching staff to be sure um I I don't know if it's a matter of of not coaching the fundamentals back into him or what it is but clearly you know there's clearly a problem and it to through five games has not been fixed yet and um you know at some point that that onus has got to fall on Mike McCarthy and and I've never been a fire McCarthy guy um I, I, I generally tend to to think that he is an excellent coach in between Sundays, and yeah, his game management leaves a little bit to be de- desired once in a while. But but generally, I feel like he does a great job preparing you know Monday through Saturday, and I haven't just seen that on the offensive side of the ball this year. So I don't know if he necessarily goes, but I think you see some changes, you know, with with Tom Clements and Edgar Bennett and and some of the assistant coaches on that side of the ball at at, at the very least. Um, and if if it turns out that the offense remains the reason why this team doesn't rebound. Now, if, if somehow the defense continues to regress the way we saw it yesterday against against uh, Dallas and their great offensive line, I personally don't think they will. Um, I think their run defense is going to bounce back because Dallas's running back and that line are just so damn good. Yeah. Uh, I don't I don't necessarily see that being the case. And, and the secondary is just completely hammered with injuries right now. So... I think they'll bounce back over the course of the next couple of weeks and, and play better. But the question is, can the offense do the same thing? If they don't, you know, things are going to happen. <laughs> so, I mean, is I mean, people like to forget. I mean, it's it has been a while since Aaron Rodgers took over, but people also forget that that was his already his what his fourth year in the league. So Rodgers is a little bit older than the most people think he is because he he rode the bench behind Favre for three years before he finally got his start. Do you do you think that the problem could simply be that Aaron Rodgers is getting old? No. So to go along with that, though, is, yeah, he sat for three years, but he also came into the NFL at 21. So right. he's kind of got those those two factors balancing, or 22 maybe. So either way, he came in as a pretty young guy, and those things kind of balance each other out a little bit. I mean, he's he's 33 now. Um, I don't think you're. I, I still think 
based on some of the throws that we've seen him make, some of the ridiculous things, like that one against Jacksonville in week one, um, I don't think there's anything wrong with him physically. He's still got all the tools. He's got the arm strength. He's, he's capable of doing everything he's ever done before. Um, I just think that the problems between the ears right now, and whether that's a, a confidence issue, whether it's just um, you know get, getting spooked and, and not trusting his mechanics or what it is, I don't know. But, but yeah, as far as the, the ability, no. I, I, I think that's completely still there. Okay. So, I mean, you know, I, I just um... – I mean, I hate to pile on uh, uh, to Rodgers. Uh, no, I do. I mean, because I do, uh, you know, when he's not playing against the Bears, uh, kind of like Brett Favre, he's one of my favorite players uh, to watch. And, and you know, I, I kind of dismissed it during the Week 2 game against Minnesota, especially since it was all that Chris Collinsworth could talk about was that Aaron Rodgers didn't look like Aaron Rodgers. I mean, he would not shut up about it throughout the entire football game like you like you know like Rodgers is dying of cancer and we just don't know it yet uh kind of thing like he's just uh you know like pitied Rodgers for not being able to do what Aaron Rodgers usually does but he's kind of on to something as far as you know I haven't quite been in awe of Rodgers as I have been uh you know in the past I mean is, is it because the Packers are relying too heavily on him at this point and we need to focus more on the running game or because we can't focus on the running game because Lacey and Starks and aren't holding up their end of the deal well Lacey's actually had a pretty decent start to this season he's actually started off better than uh than he has most seasons so far to this point in his career because um, I think up until Sunday he was averaging five and a half yards a carry now that dipped quite a bit uh with with his his game yesterday against Dallas but I think he's down to about five but, but all told, Lacey's actually having a pretty decent year. They're just not feeding him the ball a ton. Um, he hasn't gone over 17 carries in any one game yet, so that's probably part of it. And Starks has really been completely unimpressive entirely when, when he has played. And so uh, the, the, the frustrating thing is how well the offensive line has played because, in general, they've been a, a very solid unit. They've been giving Rodgers time, and he just, he's just not delivering the football in rhythm. And he's trying to extend plays when he doesn't need to be, and and should be, you know, maybe taking some shorter throws just to move the chains rather than looking for the big play. So that that I don't know that they're necessarily asking him to do too much. I I feel like after a hangover from last season, when um, you know, when there were so many issues with the injuries and the receiving core and everything, I feel like he fe- might feel like he has to do too much, even though that's not necessarily the case. Right. Well, to get off of uh, Rogers there for a second, one of the things that we talked about briefly before we got started was the uh, the injury list on both sides of the of the ball here for from for on, on my side of the ball and and your side of the ball is is quite staggering. Like the two of us together trying to wonder how it is they're going to be able to field the team, especially on on short notice and three nights from now when they play on on Thursday. Because here we are, you know, late Monday afternoon. You know, they're playing in in what seventy four hours from now, and they have to go from the games that they just played on Sunday, which were already banged up to begin with, to turn around in seventy two hours and play play again and you know i think i made the joke last week that it would be it would be faster for me to tell you who's not on the injury list as opposed to who is yeah well and and the packers secondary in particular has been just hammered lately uh sam shields got a concussion in week one he hasn't played since uh demarius randall tried to play through his groin injury and, and ended up going out 
you know, early on in the game yesterday. And then all of a sudden, Quentin Rollins popped up on the inactive list yesterday. So that's the Packers' top three cornerbacks who are down, uh, leaving you with a couple of undrafted free agents and a converted safety in Micah Hyde playing corner. Um, now we got a couple of receivers who are banged up, and Devontae Adams has a concussion, and it's it's all over the offenses as well. And and both Lacey and Starks are banged up too. And and looking at the Bears list, it's it's just a a list of starters and and key role players. So this this is why I hate the Thursday games. Is it's bad enough even when you don't have a banged up roster like these two teams do. Um, but but when you're coming off of a, a tough game like that and, and coming off of that many injuries, that just compounds that problem. Well, I've always had two big problems with the with the Thursday night games. Number one, well, let's make it three. Number one was because of that quick turnaround. Um, you know, the NFL is one of the most abusive games on the body that there is. You know, these guys have hard have a hard time walking before Wednesday, let alone having to play a game shortly after that. The second thing was that aside from a very few like the rare exceptions, like maybe the kickoff game and one or two throughout the schedule, every single one of these is a division game. So it really only seems like the two fan bases are the ones the only ones that really care about those games. And then, of course, number three, something we talked about over the summer is the color rush. Um <laughs> Now, it turns out that the NFL gave us both a break. We thought we were looking at the orange guys versus the yellow guys. It was just going to be a candy corn disaster out there on the field. It is October. Uh, but. It is. It is. So it would make sense. We're pretty close to Halloween. But the Bears are going to be wearing all navy, and the Packers are going to be going all white. Um, so I can't say that I hate that. I'm not going to be a big fan of it, but I like it a hell of a lot more than what we were looking at when it first came out. Yeah, for sure. I think I was about as excited as anybody could be when – about a, a color rush uniform when it came out that the Packers were just wearing solid white because we didn't have to worry about going to some sort of goofy-looking yellow jersey. And, and it, it, I was legitimately concerned that that was the direction that they were going to go. So it'll be interesting to see the, the Packers wearing white pants. I, don't, I certainly can't remember a time ever where, where that's, that's happened before. Um, so it'll be kind of uh, it'll be kind of funny. I mean, I'm a I'm a Wisconsin Badger by heart and 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 a Badger alum. So so wearing seeing my team wearing all white isn't that far out of the you know the realm of my imagination because that's their traditional road uniforms. But right. um, you know, watching Green Bay not wearing the yellow pants is going to be really strange. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and seeing the Bears wear dark from head to toe, that will be equally strange. Especially and at since, Lambeau, too, right? Yeah, yeah since <laughs> since they're the road team on yep. top of it all, so that's that is especially um, different. So, but I guess it beats um, the Bears wearing all white, which used to be the used to be their road uniform, and the Packers wearing all green. That would I don't want to see that. <laughs> but um, anyway, so so the other point was the division game. Aside from it. You know, obviously we care this week. Bears-Packers, one of the bigger rivalries in the NFL, actually might draw a little bit more of a TV audience than, say, Green or, you know, San Diego and Denver just because of the tradition behind the game. But for the most part, all of these Thursday night games are division games that, you know, most people don't really care about. Yeah. Well, and it seems like we've played Chicago on a Thursday a lot in the last couple yeah. of years. I mean, last year with the Thanksgiving night game, um, I don't think we did in 2014, but maybe in I want to say 2013. I think there was one in there too. Um, the we uh, were like the the first Thursday night game after the kickoff one. I think we were like yeah, week two years ago. Yeah. yeah. 
So we played uh, we played week one, and then we had to turn right right back around four days later and play Green Bay on Thursday night. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's kind of interesting that that this seems to kind of be be a matchup that they like featuring on uh, on these Thursday games. But no, I like you said, maybe there'll maybe there'll be some more eyes on it just because it's that particular rivalry factor. But um, I, I can't imagine that it helps. You know the the ratings when you have games like you know, the Rams and 49ers at this point, um, or, 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 you know, maybe an AFC South game or something like that. It's, it's Jacksonville and Tennessee is right. another Thursday night game yeah, that's coming exactly. up. So, so um, you know, and, and frankly, I, I don't know that I would want to see a big premier matchup like a, you know, like a Packers Cowboys or something on Thursday night either. I, I, I just, just flat out don't like him. <laughs> I guess that's all there is to it. And I guess maybe that's why they default to the yeah. division games, just because. Because, uh, you know, aside from the kickoff game, you don't really get premier matchups on Thursday night. So in, 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 that, in that point, it kind of becomes the question, what is the point of the Thursday night games, aside from the NFL taking another day off the schedule, as far as like, well, we own Sundays and Mondays, so we might as well take Thursday, too. Uh, kind of thing as far as like when the when it's in the season and uh, money of course you know there's a lot more money to be had by adding another you know and adding another game to the schedule kind of thing so I mean aside from that um, if they look at it in with as far as logistics of the players and nobody likes it not one player not one coach have I ever said dude it's awesome we get to play again on Thursday no it isn't yeah, TJ, it really is. TJ Lang in particular has been outspoken a couple times, and I think he's even gotten fined for some of his comments um, about how much he hates playing these Thursday games. Um, he, he's pretty active on Twitter and, and usually does a lot of interaction with the fans, and, and that's definitely one of, I think, maybe his personal crusades is if he could uh, find a way to, to get the NFL to, to abolish the Thursday game. But now at this point, it's it's established now over the last couple of years, and I don't think you're ever going to give a, get the get Goodell and company to give up something that they've had now. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, I know it just like uh, I'm not a big fan of the primetime NFL draft because people keep watching it. Obviously, that's all the that's all the evidence they need for for them to keep doing it. So that's here to stay uh, as well. So but um, so we have this. What what would could be called, you know, for anyone who cares, a quarterback controversy in Chicago. Jay Cutler's been on the shelf for about three or four weeks now, supposed to be nearing the time that he was ready to come back. Brian Hoyer, while he hasn't been the most dynamic quarterback, has been reliable, if nothing else. He hasn't made any f- turnovers or many huge mistakes that have cost the Bears the game, but he hasn't necessarily done anything to help the Bears win a game. Jay comes back, you know he's more of a risk. Who would the Packers rather play on Thursday? Would they rather play Jay or would they rather play Hoyer? Well, that probably depends on who you ask because you know there's still some of these guys who have the the holdover from Charles Woodson's feelings about, you know, Jay's going to throw us the ball. Um, I think you've got a, a team that feels like they can probably get in Cutler's head a little bit more and force some bad throws, whereas, like you said, Hoyer's a little bit more of the, you know, the conservative um, – you know the, the the game manager type passer who's not gonna not gonna really kill you with mistakes. So, um, considering that that the Don Capers defense is predicated on pressuring the quarterback and forcing turnovers, I think that uh, if if you ask most of the guys on the Packers defense, they'd rather rather see Cutler over there because I think they they probably think they can get some big plays out of him 
uh, going in the Packers' direction. Yeah, I also think they would probably have to do something with their level of success against him in the past uh, as well, knowing that they know how to rattle Cutler or to make him nervous or to you know get some of those those awesome back foot throws that uh, that Jay likes to throw out there. And so, those are uh, the ones that I'm talking about with Rodgers, where he doesn't step into his throw; it's all arm. And yeah, he's got a great arm, but you can't make a living off of those kinds of throws in the NFL. You just can't do it. And and that's what's frustrating us about him. So sorry to go back to that point again, but I think that was uh, bringing it full circle there a little bit. <laughs> well, I mean, it's just um, you know, I've, it's been one of those. It's been one of the themes of the league this year. Analysts talk about any time that the Packers come up, it's my God, what's going on with Aaron Rodgers? And you know, because the sky is falling because one of its great players is not having a great season. Uh, so far so everybody is absolutely acting like that uh, you know it is the absolute end of the world that uh, Aaron Rodgers isn't the most amazing thing that ever set foot uh, on a football field and I I just find it hilarious that people react in such a such a violent way when when something like this he's he's not having a good year this does happen sometimes believe it or not not every football player out there is perfect there's going to be perfect every single year so to speak in Ryan, or to speak in his language, relax. It's, you know, it's only week six. I mean, everybody just calm down. I mean, he, he's actually gone out and told us to, to all calm down before he turned out to be right uh, kind of thing. So I just find it funny that uh, people are reacting in such a way that, that Rodgers, you know, isn't playing, you know, completely lights out like he has uh, in the past. Like he's not allowed to not be spectacular. <laughs> yeah, and I think... The, the bigger thing, at least among Packers fans, that, that is the cause for concern is that it's it's really not just the last six games, though. It's it's going back to early last season, um, that Denver game, and even the couple of games before that, he wasn't playing particularly well. And so I think what, what I'm more concerned about is that this is now, you know, everybody expected that trend to kind of reverse itself when Jordy Nelson got back this year. Um, you know, having a good running game again, hopefully that that, that was going to turn things around and Rodgers was going to be back to his MVP form. And I think the fact that that hasn't happened, um, I think that's the reason that people are freaking out is because um, the, the, the return to the form that we all expected isn't, hasn't come. And I think that's the, that's the, biggest, uh, the biggest cause for everybody's alarm that, that the expectations um, were not being met as far as getting back to, to who we thought he was. Right. So he's getting Jordy, yeah. getting Jordy Nelson back, adding, adding, uh, you know, cook to the, as a, at the tight end spot, didn't quite have the effect on the offense that people thought that it would. And that's, what's raised more concern. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, and, and now it's turning into the turnover question because Rogers turned the ball over what, two or three times against the Vikings. He did it again against the Cowboys yesterday. Um, even last year when he wasn't thrown for the yardage that, that we know and expect and the, um, the level of, you know, he even threw for you know, a decent amount of touchdowns last year, but he was still avoiding the turnovers. And so that's really the, the puzzling thing is all of a sudden he's turning the ball over. And, and that, that also is really, as much as anything else, uncharacteristic of, of who he is. So that's going to be something to follow for sure. Yeah, because it, it kind of brings into question his decision-making, and, and now all of a sudden he's not coming off as smart as he once did mm-hmm. before because he's he's throwing it in spots where he hasn't thrown it before and you know so on and so forth. So, yeah, I, 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 I get that. 
So, so we got this game coming up on on Thursday. Who? What are you most concerned about going into this football game? Um, I, I'm most concerned about the Packers secondary. Um, again, with with those top three cornerbacks all banged up. Um, Ladarius Gunter is the fourth guy. He he played pretty well two weeks ago against the Giants uh, when he was pressed into starters reps. Um, but then he got torched on a couple of plays by Dallas. So which Gunter are you going to see? Um, can Micah Hyde hold up as, as an every-down cornerback? And, and if all three of those guys, Shields, Rollins, Randall, can't play, that probably leaves uh, Dimitri Goodson, who's a third-year guy who just got back from suspension, as the, your other starter on the outside. And he's never really proven that, that he can be a, a, an every-down player. You can put him in on spot duty and on special teams, but, um, but he's never really looked particularly good on defense yet. So um, that's my concern. Those guys going up against, uh, against Alshon Jeffrey, um, you know, we'll see about Eddie Royal, whether or not he can play. And, and um, it's, it's going to be a battle for those, those Packers corners to, to defend on the perimeter for sure. So that's, that's my concern. And then um, I really like Jordan Howard, the, the, your running back. Um, I thought yeah. he was a great pick coming out of Indiana. Watched, again, being a Big Ten guy, I watched a lot of Indiana last year, and I thought he, he was a great pick. And I'm, I'm concerned a little bit about him um, getting to the second level. I think the Packers' defensive line will do a better job against Chicago's offensive line than they did against Dallas. So I think that's going to be a, a battle to watch for sure. If, if Mike Daniels and company can, can get penetration consistently, I think they keep, uh, they keep Howard in check. But um, that's, that's another area where um, I could see the, the Bears making some, some pretty good progress uh, if, if things break right for them. Daniels is a tackle, right? Does he? He plays over. He plays over our offensive, like shading outside so he, the guards and above. The yeah, tackles. he usually plays the the three tech. Um, and okay. and with the Packers in the nickel almost exclusively, they run that kind of that that two four five look with the the two down linemen, four linebackers. So yeah, he'll pretty much be at the at the three technique outside the guard on on just about every play. Well, I was gonna say if he's over, if he's lined up over either one of our tackles, you guys are gonna be fine. So. Uh, <laughs> Our tackles are horrendous right yeah. now. I, Thanks, I was really excited. I was really excited about Bobby Massey uh, joining the team, but I knew Charles Leno was crap, and I was really concerned that the Bears did not try to address the tackle position, although I figured we talked about this, that you guys ruined that uh, for us because we, I think the Bears were after Jason Spriggs before you traded up to get him. But, um, you know, uh, I was always worried about the left tackle position. We signed Bobby Massey, which put Kyle Long back at the guard, and then, of course, We've got Josh sitting on our team uh, right now, although I don't know if he's going to be ready for Thursday. He had to leave the game yesterday. Uh, he got hurt early on in the game and was kind of, you could see him favoring his leg. You know, he did something, but he stayed in the game, and he had to come out like later on in the, in the fourth quarter. Um, he, was, he was toughing it out, but I don't know if he'll be back in time to, to play on Thursday. So um, Yeah, that'll definitely you know. be something to watch, and, and I think one of the – one of the areas to watch for sure when, when Chicago's got the ball is, is Nick Perry, where he lines up because he's been up until up until Sunday, again, and, and take, take it with a grain of salt because Dallas's line is really, really good. But, but Perry has been probably the Packers' best defensive player, um, if not you know maybe right behind Mike Daniels. So he's been great in setting the edge in the run game. He's been getting all over the quarterback. So that's definitely a guy to watch uh, on the Packers' defense for sure. 
So the transition back to being exclusively on the outside hasn't been that great for Clay Matthews, or it's because everyone is keeping an eye on Clay Matthews that Nick Perry has been able to thrive? I think that's part of it. Um, Clay's still been moved around just a little bit, but Perry has just been dominant. And and actually, Matthews did miss the the Lions game a couple weeks ago with an injury. So um, he's a little bit banged up. He's he said that playing outside takes a little bit more of a toll on his body. And I think what they're trying to do with him is conserve his reps because the, the Packers linebackers go four or five deep. Um, you've still got Julius Peppers and Dayton Jones out there and a couple of young guys who've, who've shown some potential. So there's a lot of players there that you can roll out there. So you don't necessarily have to have Matthews out there on every play, which kind of helps out with, uh, with his conditioning and, and just making sure he can give max effort. Well, I would like to say that uh, you know I, I have I know exactly what's going to happen uh, on Thursday, but it's the Bears and the Packers, so you can automatically you can kind of throw it out the the window. Um, and with the way both teams are playing right now, with the Bears might get some guys back. Pernell McPhee is uh, you know is practicing from you know just coming off the pup list. Eddie Goldman might be healthy enough to play. We still don't know what's going on with Jake Cutler, so I have no idea who's playing, how the game is going to go, but. Um, Hopefully it'll at least be uh, entertaining and um, one way or the other. You know what? I liked, I would like to have another Thanksgiving game. Win or lose, that's what I would like to have because that game was fun and it was exciting and it came down to the wire, and that's, that's all I want at this point. The Bears were not competitive at all in that 0-3 start. And, you know, they've been in the games against in their last three opponents, Detroit, Indianapolis, and Jacksonville. So it's been interesting going into the fourth quarter, and I would like to at least be competitive with – with Green Bay this year. Yeah, for sure. And I think uh, after after seeing Green Bay pretty much be non-competitive against Dallas, um, you know, they were still in that game against Minnesota for most of that. So, so I agree. Let's, you know, let's let's at least make sure that uh, it's at least a, a fun game to watch. That's that'd be nice. Yes, yes, absolutely. So, and of course, um, the Bears and the Packers meet again. Is it week fifteen? Yes. Uh, so we'll uh, be sure to get you back on at that point. And uh, by then, we will know, you know, what kind of position the Packers are in. Are they in the playoffs? Are they in danger of missing the playoffs? So the, the beginning of the discussion that we had about what could be happening after January 1st would be a lot more relevant then. So we'll, we'll revisit it at that, that, at that time. How's it sound? That sounds great, man. All right, Evan Western from SB Nation's Acme Packing Company helping us preview week number seven for Thursday night between the Bears and the Packers. As always, want to thank Evan for being on the show to talk about the Bears and the Packers. It's um, you know, it's a fun thing that I've discovered. Uh, you know, with uh, doing all these interviews and uh, meeting these guys who 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 like a uh, like an idiot, I probably thought that I would not ever have a chance of getting along with. But uh, you know, like I said at the beginning of the interview, that uh, despite his allegiance, he is a friend of the show, and I do enjoy. Uh, having him on and uh you know it's it's cool that um he's not like the other packer fans that i've known as far as being smug and arrogant and like like uh liking rubbing it in my face uh if and when the green bay packers beat uh the bears so uh glad he's not one of those guys he's somebody that i can actually stomach <laughs> if you will and um, I did have him on Monday, so that's why we kept referring to the games as yesterday, yesterday, yesterday. So, um, you know, just to kind of give you a, 
an indication as to when that conversation actually took place. It happened before the trade that the Green Bay Packers made yesterday um, with both Eddie Lacy and James Starks out for several weeks. The Packers uh, sent a conditional late-round pick to Kansas City for Niall Davis, the running back from the Kansas City Chiefs. And um, when I heard Niall Davis, I wasn't sure, you know, if I knew that name, if I'd seen him play before, and I had. Last year in the wildcard game between the Chiefs and the Texans, he took the opening kickoff about 106 yards for a touchdown. So I doubt that they'll – you know, I doubt that's why they traded for him, but uh, that's what he's capable of. So uh, he's an open field guy. So the Bears want to avoid letting him get into the open field and introduce himself to this rivalry in such a fantastic way. So, um, you know, uh, it really comes down to this. You know, it, it's going to come down to getting after Rodgers. It's going to come down to, you know, being being efficient in the defensive game as far as the pass uh, is concerned because with with Nile Davis most likely being the starter having all of having less than 48 hours to learn the offense I mean I guess there's not much to learn when it's like in the beginning when you're the running back it's like I'm gonna hand you the ball on this play you run that way on this play you run that way that kind of thing so I mean it's uh, probably not as difficult as trying to break in a quarterback you traded for 48 hours ago but uh, uh, nonetheless uh, that's what the Bears are going to want to do is to stay vigilant in getting after Aaron Rodgers because with the running back situation, they're most likely going to be leaning on him uh, more than anything uh, in this football game. So uh, I'm sure Nile Davis will get his carries or whoever their, whoever their remaining running back happens to be uh, on the roster. But it's, it's, going to be most, it's going to be paramount to, to get after Rodgers or to force him to make some of these mistakes that he's been making, this, these very uncharacteristic mistakes i mean and and look how well our offensive line did against the cowboys week three on sunday night football brian hoyer was virtually untouched throughout the entire football game but this past sunday he was in they excuse me i should say they were in rogers face pretty much the entire uh afternoon you know they forced turnovers they got a fumble out of rogers they got an interception uh, out of rogers in that football game hopefully the bears can generate something like that uh, against uh, Rodgers uh, tomorrow night uh, in the Thursday night matchup. And, um, you know, on the offensive side of the ball, you, you guys all know where this is going. You know, number one, if we can get into the red zone, we have to finish, period. I mean, I, I wish I could say what it is that we're not doing in the red zone so that I could say, well, in the red zone, we need to be more efficient doing this so we score touchdowns. I wish I could tell you what it was. You know, it just seems to be that whatever we do when we're in the red zone isn't working, period. So, um, you know, it's it's not like we pass our way into the red zone and all of a sudden we try to start running or vice versa. It's whatever the Bears try to do when they get inside that 20-yard line fails no matter what. Um, So, you know, maybe it goes back to what I was talking about before to where – you know, the, because of, of Brian Hoyer, maybe that's our maybe that's the the problem uh, as far as, uh, you know, the defense knows that they don't need to worry about what's going on behind them because everything that the Bears are doing on offense is going to happen in front of you. And when you're in the red zone, when you're in that area, that very short, very small portion of the field, everything happens in front of you, basically. 
you know, the safeties and everything can put their heels uh, at the back of the end zone and everything is happening in front of them and they can stop it. Maybe that's what the problem is. Maybe the Bears need to be uncharacteristic and take some shots down the field. I mean, Brian Hoyer may not have Jay Cutler's arm, but he can still throw the football down the field. Maybe we take a few shots. It doesn't have to be 50-yard plays. Maybe we try to throw some 20, 25-yard routes down the field and see what happens. Just so that the the Packers won't think won't view the Bears as so predictable and basically, you know, have the safeties drop to a certain point and when you hit this that's the wall you bounce back and come in the other direction and uh you know maybe that's what we need to do on offense is really spice it up and take some shots down the field and uh, to try to create some opportunities for ourselves later on uh in the red zone so that the packers can't trust what they've seen on tape these last four weeks well the bears are coming out they're doing something completely different from what we've seen uh on tape so we need to alter that and by the time the Packers start to alter, it's already too late, and the Bears are ahead by 30. So it could happen. You know, besides, with the way that the Cubs played last night, uh, they play again tonight uh, in game f- – they played tonight in game four, and tomorrow night is game five. If the Cubs batters continue to play the way that they have, tomorrow night could not only be the Bears losing to Green Bay, but it also could be the Dodgers eliminating the Cubs from the NLCS. So uh, – you know, knock on wood, the Cubs can get it together and uh, the Bears can get it together tomorrow night as well. So um, I think that's going to do it for our week seven preview episode of the Chicago Bears review. And that's that's it. Like I said, it's simple. We need to get after Rodgers and protect against the passing game because the, they're basically not going to have a run game tomorrow. And the Bears need just to be better in the red zone when the opportunity arises. So uh, aside from that, what we're doing on offense has been working. From the 20 to the 20, we're beasts, but getting in from the 20 into the red zone, that's the trouble. We have to close the deal there. No more I – mean, I mean, I wouldn't even bring Connor Barth with you. Leave him in Chicago, for Christ's sake, to force the issue. We're not kicking field goals. We're going to score touchdowns, and that's just all there is to it. So uh, that's going to do it for the Week 7 preview episode of the Chicago Bears Review. Come back this weekend, say Friday or Saturday, when we do the review and talk about this game, and then we'll have ourselves a nice little break before the Week 8 preview between the Bears and the Vikings uh, for Monday Night Football next week. So uh, that's going to do it for the show. So until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been the Chicago Bears Review.